Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John puts on his baggiest rayon pants and tells the story of a rogue gang of cursing parrots. Meanwhile, I ponder the phrase goody two-shoes and feel a special calling to the luxury resort community. Plus a conversation about enlightenment and how our continuing knowledge of the universe should deepen our faith but sometimes has the opposite effect. Today's episode is not sponsored by Batteries. All we've ever wanted is to be included. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's another edition of Talk About That. I'm John here with Johnny. Excited to wax eloquently or foolishly about a variety of topics, Johnny. Fooliquently. <laughs> we just made up a... Yeah, I like it. I like how you said new edition. A new edition. Did you say a... a, a Start, a new edition is that what you said? I don't know what I said. You don't think it's a Did new you like edition? new edition? Remember no. the band? No, I didn't. You weren't a, were you weren't a boy bander? Um, I remember like in middle school. Well, number one, it was Vanilla Ice, and then Wait, hold on, was, don't put Vanilla Ice with new. I'm not. Edition. I'm not. I'm saying I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking of all the bands that came out. When Although Belle DeVoe was, you can't count them as a boy band. No, no, no. But they came from New Edition. They were, they were members of New Edition. That when the band broke off, they all became Bobby Brown. You had Johnny yeah. Gill, and then you had Belle Biv DeVoe. Belle Biv DeVoe. Michael Bivens, something DeVoe, something. They really came up with a, a name unique to themselves. Yeah. It sounds cool. I think if they hadn't had the Biv, it wouldn't have been as cool. It would have sounded like a legal firm. You know what I'm <laughs> Belle saying? DeVoe Belle DeVoe. Belle Watson DeVoe. Right. Doesn't ring, but Belle Biv, you go, that's a hip-hop group. Nice. They're going to, there's R&B. We couldn't come They got a Biv. We could not come up with a name like that for us. It was Bell Smith DeVoe. You'd be like, oh, they're going to, I had a car accident. They represented me. They got me the money I deserve. I could really use some litigation. Yeah. Um, We, I remember, I remember, um, shoot, not boys to man, but um, new kids in the block were around that time. Were you a? And I was not. Okay. I think I probably, I mean, I knew the songs. Yeah. But I remember thinking Vanilla Ice was kind of dumb, but Mm -hmm. we all did it. We all listened. We all, what do you mean we all did it? All the middle John? schoolers you around. Had the, you had the pants? Um, I had the MC Hammer pants. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, yeah. It's hard to know because you're, there's like, you're, even if you think this is a little bit dumb. Yeah. But you think you I'll, be, be, I'll be treated as someone who's dumb if I don't do the dumb thing. And guys, that is the essence of that's cultural. Tribalism. That's uh, what it pressure. is. Yeah. What if, what if harem pants had hung on? You know, well, they did hang on lots of things every time I'd walk by. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's our show. 
I think we got what we need. Yeah. But yeah, it's those are ridiculous. Here's the thing. They're not ridiculous. What are, it's, it's like an appropriation, right? Because that's a what Middle Eastern? What is what are harem? Like that's the harem pants. They're basically baggy, uh, blousey. I don't think pants. I call them that. I just call them MC Hammer pants. Yeah, but I'm saying that you, you see feel them like in, you're saying something inappropriate. No, right I'm saying like there's <laughs> there's probably a Middle Eastern uh, vibe to some, but who knows like, where they came from? But I'm just saying like for Western culture, it was definitely a departure. Yes, and it did not last long. No. I remember a Taco Bell commercial that MC Hammer did at his the apex of his where he was everywhere. He was, and that's how you know he was hawking everything. And finally, he did a Taco Bell commercial. And I remember the the hook of the commercial was he was up on a roof or something, and they couldn't get down. And he jumped off the roof and used his pants, pants. as a parachute. That. Yeah, the, the pants slowly lowered him to the ground. Yeah, and I wondered how many kids how many kids are going to eat a chalupa. And then jump off their jump mom's off house. Their house. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found after Chalupa, you go straight to the bottom. You do. The, of whatever. They, that's the thing is, he knew enough to hand off the Chalupa mm-hmm. before he made the jump. Right. You, you've it's, got to. It's a rookie move not to. You've got to hand off the Chalupa. Man. As it were. You know, speaking of someone hawking a lot of things, and I hate to use that word, but I am mm. astounded mm. at how many commercials Peyton Manning is on. Oh, Yeah. Like Peyton Manning does now, he has shows that sure. he's the host of. Right. He has game shows mm-hmm. he's the host of. Right. And I'm, I'm telling you, almost every product I see, like, I think he may be on multiple insurance company commercials. Like, how, do how they, does that work? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think don't know. He's a, isn't he a nationwide guy all the way? I'm not sh- I don't recall because it didn't work. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Having Peyton Manning did not make me want to buy that insurance. It's made me think, look at another commercial. I love Peyton Manning. Yeah. I love, he's funny and all the things, but uh, what's the, what's the, he's on Subway now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shaq is that way where he has like so many brands. Yeah. It's just like, he just, he doesn't need anything else. He could just be like, he's Papa John's, he's General Insurance. He's, I mean, so many things. It's a lot. He does a show. He's made way more money than he made in his playing career probably at this point. Well, that probably helped. The playing career legitimizes you <laughs> if you're not just a, I told you one of my great regrets in life, right? That you didn't play basketball? Um, well, I mean, I set out. Like Michael Scott, I, I decided not to play pro yeah. sports. Um, I was with Tyler Trent's family. I was writing that book at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'd spent, I think I'd already been there a day and a half, two days. Yeah. I was tired. I was actually taking calls. There were some there were some people having personal crises at church and I was like taking calls on the side, walking people. There were some legal things, other stuff I was trying to help navigate. And we went through, it was amazing. Like it was the, it was the award show where, um, it's everything but the Heisman, uh-huh. all the other awards they give out. Yeah. The Maxwell award, the, you know, whatever the Bolitnikoff, all those get, get at this other thing. And they were giving Tyler, uh, the Disney Spirit Award, which is like one of the highest things you can mm-hmm. get, you know, for him being the super fan. And of course, he's in a wheelchair. And if you guys haven't read the story of Tyler Trent, I got to work with him and his family before he passed away. Uh, it's called The Upset. You should go look up Tyler Trent, The Upset. And he is a, uh, was a young man who had osteosarcoma. And he predicted on ESPN on one of the college game day, like pre rolls, yeah. that. Purdue was going to upset Ohio State that day in football. 
which they had not done in a long, long time. And they did. Yeah. And so it became like this huge viral thing. And so one of he was a writer, an amazing kid, and he wanted to write a book. And so got a call and we're on the road. That's the, that's the backstory. So I'm down here, you know, I'm doing research and hanging out with the family and man, I'm telling you, Johnny, it's everybody from ESPN, everybody mm-hmm. in football imaginable at the college football hall of fame. And they're all coming to talk to Tyler. And it was a really cool experience. And they were usually honored. I mean, you could tell it meant more to them to get to meet him. And he, you know, accepted the award. It was an amazing experience. And then that night I went back, I was just exhausted I was just so exhausted. I was taking so many notes and, you know, trying to, I was already writing. Mm-hmm. And I remember his dad called and said, Hey, we've been invited over to the TNT studios. Um, there, what's their show called? Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA with Shaq and Charles Barkley and Kenny. Kenny. Kenny the Jet Smith. Yeah. And, and Ernie. And Ernie. And they were like, you're welcome to go. We're going to get in a van and go here soon. And I was just like, you know, and I hadn't talked to my wife all day and all this stuff. And I stayed back in the hotel. Oh, man. And didn't go. Wow. And they came back like, because, you know, those guys, Ernie has written. Yeah, he's got a special needs kid and it's a whole thing. Ernie's like a saint. Yes. And like the stuff they were saying that happened there and, and, you know, the the conversation. I never knew that happened. You blew it. I literally turned down going to meet Shaq, Charles Barkley and and the whole crew. just to kind of like, I was just, I was just kind of out of juice, you know, but, uh, yeah, but I will say this, that conversation, with my wife that night was better. <laughs> I hope you're listening, babe. That was amazing. So, and now you get to talk about, look what all I gave up for you. It's great. <laughs> Let me tell you, she's given up a lot more. <laughs> That's true. She has. <laughs> she married a pastor. I was reading a story from, uh, some of the actors that were in Oppenheimer and they were talking about how like, it's a very ensemble cast, uh, so a oh, lot, yeah, a a lot of the, it's and, and it's amazing stars in it, but a lot of them had like ten minutes on screen each, mm-hmm. and then you had Killian Murphy, who's the star of it. Is it Killian Murphy, right? Yeah, I always thought it was silly, but it's Killian. Anyway, he is like the whole thing's about him, and he had to learn some Dutch. He had to learn, I mean, he had to really immerse himself in this character. Oh, yeah. He's not really a method actor, I don't think, where he's crazy, but he had to like learn so much dialogue and really immerse himself in the character. And they were talking about how they would all head off every night and go drink together and go eat together and on the lot. And they would go and they said he never came because he just couldn't like he could not. He couldn't get away. Wow. And he couldn't let himself be a normal person because he wanted to nail the movie so much. And they they were like, we did not take it like they were actors. We know he could, we understood. We saw the amount of work that he had on him. So they never held against him. And yeah. we saw the movie last night. It's an amazing performance. Like, it's an unbelievable movie. And it really is one of those ones where when it's ending, you just kind of, you just sit there. That's like, what I heard. You're yeah. just letting it kind of wash over you. And it's, a, it's an interesting experience like that. I don't think I've felt that at a movie in a, in a while. Because I usually go to like popcorn movies where it's like, that was a fun thrill ride. This right. was like a, you know, it's going to be about the specter of nuclear holocaust right. and like man's inhumanity to man, mm. how we've used science to basically like the upheaval of the world because of it. And then so you know that going in and you're just like, yep, it was all that. And, you know, they've unlocked some new fears. Thanks a lot. But yeah. it's definitely worth seeing. And, uh, and there's so much I didn't know. But anyway, I just say you had, that was your you were Killian Murphy. That was in ex- my, <laughs> it's, it's an you, apples to apples. Comparison. You're like I got to write this book, y'all. I got I got to tell this kid's story. It's his life. It's important, and it was. But it's the same. You still could have met Shaq and done all and that. And could have put that in the book, right? Like what was that? 
I think I did put that in the book. I think I just interviewed them about it, you know, but yeah. I could have like firsthand. Yeah. You got hearsay. And part of me, I think if I remember part of it was like, also, I didn't want to intrude on the family's experience. I do remember having that feeling because they were going to get into a van, not like a, like, I didn't want to like, yeah, keep being the fifth wheel on this because, you know, this, they, they knew they were in, mm-hmm. you know, difficult times. You know, he, he survived another two months after that. You right. Know? And so part of it was, I remember thinking, like, I, I just don't, if they're going to have this cool experience, I don't want to just be the guy, like mm-hmm. a journalist, hanging around, taking notes, and, you know, yeah, it's like the cameraman in the office, you know what I'm saying? Like, someone's yeah. supposed to be filming all that, and in real life, you wouldn't let someone film all that, so. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Johnny, speaking of real life. Oh. This is real life, and you, you know that in order for this podcast to go forth. Uh, or fifth. <laughs> We hope we're, Whichever we're climbing, it is on we're your climbing list. the rankings of <laughs> your podcast. Maybe third. Let's go to third. Yeah, I'd like to be third. Uh, but the reason that we're climbing the rankings is because yes. of our wonderful sponsors. So let's take a moment in here, just a couple words from them. I heard about Oppenheimer that it was, one quote said, the movie of the century. It was so different than anything I've seen, too. The way that the, the pacing of the movie, uh, the the music is very important. Uh, like, the music is almost as loud as some of the dialogue in some of these scenes. So mm-hmm. you really have to kind of lean in. Uh, and I, and Christopher Nolan wrote, wrote it for the screen, too. I mean, obviously, it's adapted from historical events, but I did not know that. He wrote and directed it. Wow. So, like, this guy's a genius. Yeah. I mean, we already knew from, I mean, everybody, the Batman. My favorite Christopher Nolan movie, honestly, was Insomnia, which he was one of his first movies with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. Robin Williams plays a villain in it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic and so different. And a thriller. But that was a, actually a remake of a French film, maybe a Belgian film. Anyway, Insomnia is great. If you've never seen Insomnia, 2004, I think, is when that one came out, 2002. Worth seeing. Yeah. Really good. Uh, Al Pacino's not doing in his hoo ah stage. He's he's it was post hoo ah. He wasn't hoo ahing as much <laughs> where because he, he became quite the over actor there for a while. Where like every movie was going to be this like yeah he's going to get out of it. You know he does that <laughs> thing. You know there's going right. to be one of those. Right. This was not that. So it was very understated. But uh, Christopher Nolan, you just think like what's what's his mind like. Like in a way, he is Oppenheimer. He's just doing it for entertainment and for film. But it's he, he's still be he's deconstructing these huge grand scenes and and seeing he's trying to think about what the audience needs. Interesting. I think there's an I think as an auteur, he's uh, fantastic. But I didn't know that he at the end. I was like, he wrote this too. It's crazy. He wrote this. He wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of important you know storylines in history, mm-hmm. I came across one I sent you the other day. Yeah, and I think it's worth reading here yeah so apparently this happened for real okay in 2020 and i know this is a family-friendly show yes but we're gonna do this anyway wow um this was uh (laughs) trigger warning this is uh it says uh a news story that says five parrots Mm -hmm. were separated at a british zoo after inciting one another to cuss at visitors (laughs) back in 2020 according to zoo officials None of the zoo's visitors were bothered by the parrots, and the majority found them entertaining. Yes. But when the parrot tells you to F off, (laughs) this is a quote, people are very amused. It's brought a big smile to a really hard year. (laughs) Nonetheless, zookeepers believed it would be better to keep them away from youngsters in order to avoid ruffling any feathers, which I love that part. Yeah, of course. That's well written. 
They were separated and relocated to different sections of the wildlife center to prevent them from provoke, provoking one another. Mm. Johnny, I have I have found joy. Yes, I have found. Immense, you got to find it where you can. This is this has brought me so much joy. I sent it to you while you were in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> I was like with those parrots. That's where they were quarantined to. <laughs> They I'm all, the one who taught them. Yeah. yeah they were a poolside, and I got to tell you, it was ribald. They were <laughs> rowdy. They were letting it all hang out. They had I, had a couple of Mai Tais. Well, the, the backstory to this needs to be what zoo official got fired for teaching the parrots all the yeah, language. Yeah, and they're learning from – Right. Because that's the thing is like parrots don't have right. language they're born with. They have – they whatever they they have their calls so they're mimicking us so somebody's there they're hearing a family i don't think they're a family i think one of the trainers oh, you think the trainers yeah, i mean it. okay i think one of the trainers taught all of them won't that preach though come on now be careful who you let train you that's right or you'll be or you'll be separated to from the back of the zoo the other four friends yeah it's just so funny that they could provoke one another yeah like that they they understood the back and forth of it. Mm-hmm. When you and I start cussing at each other, yes. there's a back and forth. There's, you know what I'm saying? A provoking, <laughs> if you will. I just thought it was. I don't know. I don't know what to do with all this. Five parrots. Yeah, it's too many. It's. Um, I wonder. You think it would have gotten as bad if it had only been like a couple of parrots? Like the five thing. It's a gang now. It is right. They're they're bullying. Bird, yeah, it's a bird gang. Yeah. Because there's an there's an old street joke about a parrot. A uh, woman walks by a pet store, and the the parrot goes, "Hey!" She walks over, "Hey, you, come here!" Waves his wing. She walks over close. He goes, "You're ugly." She goes, "What? You heard me!" And then so she goes in. She tells him, "This parrot's out here calling me ugly. I'll handle it." Goes over. He talks to the parrot. The parrot kind of lowers its head. She walks on to work. The next day, she's walking by the work. She walks on the other side of the street. The parrot goes, hey. She goes, what? She goes, and the parrot goes, come here. Waves her over again. She's like, fine. Walks over. She goes, you're stupid. She goes, she walks in. He's still doing it. Walks over. He scolds the parrot. Blah, blah, blah. Finally, she starts walking another block. After a week or so, she's like, maybe the parrot's learned. She walks by the store again. It's been a week. He goes, Hey. She goes, waves over, come here. She gets close. She leans in. He goes, you know. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny to me, but it is. It's just the parrot's trying not to get in trouble. He's like, you know. You get it. I do love. These parrots went full on. They both, it's a bullying situation. I think it's fun to anthropomorphize on this kind of stuff because I want to know. Do the parrots know that it's that they're, wrong? That right. They're breaking our language, our weird or arbitrary language rules. Is it in the res- is it in response to something? Yeah. Like, or is it just? Or is it then, just like they know it makes people laugh and they like that? Right. That could be it. You're getting the rise out of out of the people, or again, I want to know how one parrot provokes the other. Like, mm-hmm. all right, that sounds like again that you're cussing at that the parrots are cussing at each other. Yeah. Like that's if that's it, you could just let them loose and they'll you know, that's that's its own take care of themselves. They don't need Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This is a little bit like West Side Story, except instead of the Jets and the Sharks. Right. It's the toucans and the macaws. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it is a 2023 version, which means you can put all these words in there. Yeah. I will say, Johnny, I'm not a prude. No. Um I'm not a goody two shoes. <laughs> 
Which I don't even know what that means. Yeah, what is We that need mean? the etymology of that desperately. Yeah, what does goody two shoes come from? I mean, what if, are you just a goody one shoe if you're, this, we all need two guy, shoes. You think you're better than me because you got two shoes? <laughs> right. Was it like, somebody looking down on somebody without, is that uh, what it's? So the teacher's pet wears two shoes. Because it sounds and, like it's somebody with like church shoes on maybe. But mm, why two? You know what I'm right. saying? Why's the two in there? Oh, I got to know. We're going we're we to we need search to figure this out. out. We will. We'll figure it out maybe yeah. next week on wrong about that. Wrong about that. But that's that's not who I am. Yeah. You know, I'm a goody one shoe, mm-hmm. you know. But I will say this. The profanity mm-hmm. in television has taken a bold leap forward. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I imagine, like, I don't. we don't have kids. So I think my filter's not as up on it. But I definitely think, like, even commercials. Commercials will come on and be like, man, I can't imagine having a seven-year-old. You now have to explain to right. them, you know, <laughs> the side effects of these medicines or, you know, like the crazy uh, the crazy things. that just, just on a commercial, you're trying to watch a football game. Right. So much less like, yeah, if you're just like, oh, this show seems this show seems normal. And then it just takes this side turn. You're like, whoa, yeah. that's crazy. I can remember being a kid when, I mean, now kids, uh, of course, I went to a private school. It was a Christian school. Mm-hmm. I remember in eighth grade, we won a football game. I played I played football, Johnny. I was a defensive tackle in eighth grade. Well, yeah, that's back when you were on steroids. Yeah. Oh, boy. It was a different time. And we, we won the game, and we were back on the bus. Yeah. I don't know why this memory hit me the other day. Mm-hmm. And and the kids, I mean, the, the coaches, everyone, they yeah. were all excited chanting. And it was like, the roof. I remember the this. The roof. <laughs> I remember you telling me this story. <laughs> the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. And we all shut up because we're goody two-shoes. Right. And one kid, I can't remember who it was. Oh, I thought it was you. No, it wasn't me. Oh, okay. Are you kidding? One kid said it. Let one the... kid said, let them mm-hmm. burn. And, like, the coaches lost their mind, you know, and then right. just shut us all down kind of thing. Of course, we laughed hysterically. Yeah. We're like, why? Because that was an anomaly. Did, do you think the kid knew? Or oh, was the he kid like, knew. No, I just... He was like, I'm going for it. Yeah. Like... This is our moment. Let bygones be got bygones. Let parrots... Wow. He just did it. He, maybe he grew up and trained those parrots. Maybe he grew know. up in parrot culture. Yeah. We don't know what it's like we, in parrot that's culture. That's true. I had a friend who was raised by parrots. And... Uh, do you think this has something to do with pirates? I mean, they're filthy-mouthed. Oh, right. You know what I'm saying? It's the parrot's on the shoulder. Uh-huh. He's learning, you know, language. Maybe we've... I don't know. Well, Blackbeard's filling his mind with all kinds of darkness. Mm-hmm. And he's just spewing it out onto the zoo it's, it's a bummer, too, because I've known some pirates that were really good people. Mm. And these ones that are have the foul language, you know? They're running, a, they're running the image of pirates for they everyone. They are. They're... I mean, okay, we're going to take all the stuff on your boat and maybe all your women, but the language. Right. Could you, could you tone please? it down for the kids? Yeah. I just don't get it. <sighs> I don't get it at all. Yeah. So I think they need to let the Lord be their captain now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come on. They need. I think that we need to parlay into another topic possibly. All right, fine. See what Come I on. There. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah. That's uh, that's very funny. The, the parent story will bring me joy for a long time, and I apologize if I offend any... I don't know why it brings me joy. It's just very funny to me. Well, didn't we talk about, like, they did a study where, and I think Mythbusters even did this, where they put their hands in ice, and how long they could keep their hands in ice was exponentially increased by them being allowed to say curse words. Oh, yeah. Like, it literally is a pain management tool. It is. And I wonder if it would be there if we didn't have the 
the weird stigma about language. Right. So we know that we're kind of breaking a cultural norm by shouting the curse word. Right. Maybe that's what causes the pain. Or would it just be like, no, those are just built-in weird cues that we have where – because they tried shouting like nonsense words and it didn't, it didn't have the same it. effect. No, I think it has to be counter to the cultural mores. That's Maybe the only that's way it, it works. Yeah, yeah. You, you, have, you have to be breaking – yeah. Some sort of alignment. I don't want to say the word rule. Yeah, because it's not like it's a rule, but yeah, because it's a it's a the, spectrum would, of we severity. We know that now that these if you're if you're a grown up, you kind of know like a lot of these things are just it's cultural. It's it's you know what is what is a bad word to us is not necessarily a bad word all over the world even. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a thing that we've all just agreed on. We've negotiated these terms, and we've agreed to them. We're going to have a civilization here. And these are the words we can say, and these are the words we don't say. And when you stub your toe, you say gadzooks in this house, young man. Right. You know? And the kid's like, I don't want to say gadzooks. I don't want to, though. There's a better word. I don't want to say poot. I want to say fart. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Were you, uh, uh, sorry, mom. My mom listens to this. I'm sorry. I don't sorry. know if we could say fart. I think we could say fart. Uh, we was, couldn't. My mom didn't like it. She, w- young, we couldn't. Yeah. And then obviously there's a time when it just, there's a time, look, you, <laughs> just, you call a spade a spade. This is what it is. Uh, and she still doesn't like it, I think, but yeah. now she laughs about it. But it is interesting that, yeah, I think it, it as, a, as church kids growing up, it brings us extra joy because it, it feels like it, it fits that thing of like uh, birds this getting away with what we could never get away with. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is, you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's so funny. It's so interesting. We don't, with our daughter, like I don't want her just walking around, you know, squawking like a parrot you know what i'm saying mm. it's profanity as yeah. it were but we've never tried to like and i think this is a really interesting thing i say this to the church sometimes and i think they look at me like i have a parrot on my shoulder like it's mm. very much a foreign concept but i'm always like guys when the bible says not to curse people you know they didn't have i don't say the words they didn't have the four letter words that we're talking about english didn't exist mm-hmm. like that's not it's that we have we have appropriated those scriptures. It, they can't apply. Yeah, you, you certainly can curse someone with those words, but it's the cursing of people. Right. It's not like just the rules of language. Like you can absolutely break that principle of scripture or or go against what Jesus wants you to do by pulling someone down through gossip, uh, through meanness. You know, refusing to encourage. You can curse people a lot of different ways without ever using a cuss word because you're a good Christian. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think getting to that place of separating what it really means, let let no uncorrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, right, is what it says. I mean, that's a better way to say it. Like, we, I, can, I can have all kinds of corrupt communication that is not necessarily – Right. It fits all the rules. Yeah. And we made these- I, found a, I found a loophole to still gossip about this person and – yeah. And and make you feel some kind of way about them or reveal a secret about them that I was not supposed to reveal. They told me in confidence. Right. I found a way to to drag them down or to to push them down so I feel better about myself. Like there's a million ways around it. But I was like, technically I still am by the letter of the law, you know, I'm still good. Yeah. And we literally have letters of the law, mm. rated R, rated PG. Yeah. We have all these rules where we try to create these boundaries that are checklist driven and not really like adherent to the spirit of what yeah. these things are really about. Yeah. And I think rating system are okay. Like I think about like if you're a, if you have a kid, like I would think that it would, I would want to know 
like the things that come on before a show. This has sure. this, this, well, and this. Well, now it says smoking and all kinds of yeah. stuff before the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, something about peril. Something perilous something and i was like oh it was about like whitewater rafting or something yeah. it was like you had to even like inform somebody hey somebody may go over the falls in this movie yeah and you're like oh man it's interesting we have to be told that now or coarse language they might say coarse instead, language. Of, instead of profanity mm-hmm. um however they define that it's just funny how those and, and i get it but we could literally have a whole show where people do nothing but tear each other down and technically can be rated pg because there's no curse yeah. words you know what i'm saying like I don't know. By the way, to be clear, Johnny, I'm not like pro cuss word. That that's not. That's I know this episode late. has dwelt on that a lot. Wow. And good pe- luck. People have your, been a- good luck getting your witness back. <laughs> and you want to be my preacher, John? You preached this Sunday. I did preach. This I Sunday. was there. I was in the house. You were. It was great to see you. Fresh back from vacay. Uh, I need a vacation for my vacation. I don't think you did from that one. No, it was a good one. That was that was all inclusive. Brian uh, Bates, our friend, has has teased us before that although the show became for a while us talking about our luxury vacations <laughs> on the show <laughs> i was like we have done a couple of shows where we talk about like all yeah. the things we did and it's like yeah that's annoying <laughs> you're just being a bummer to people who haven't gotten a break yet sitting in a cubicle right now so yeah. just let's just say for the show i had a rough time <laughs> it was hard my favorite video one of my favorite videos i did before you were like full on in comedy all the way full-time yeah was your all-inclusive oh about the all-inclusive yeah because i really feel like god has called me to the resort community that's what we that was the Mm -hmm. and we were trying to raise money we were in front of a bunch of pastors oh a bunch of pastors and i had slide slide show and i'd show like the hotel behind me i go look at this building i said there are over 500 people in this one building (laughs) it's like this really nice hotel i go a lot of them are sharing wi-fi and they're getting drinks, but a lot of these drinks are watered down. <laughs> a lot of them. It's just the whole dumb thing. Some, they're only eating what people bring. Yeah, to only them. what people people bring. <laughs> said, uh, <laughs> some of the jet skis are running low on fuel. It was like a whole dumb thing. I can't remember. But basically, I said, uh, I I think our DYD was our district youth director was Terry. And I said, I said he told me that I could ask you guys today for your support i remember i literally told him about our plan was i playing was not playing the interviewer i was like okay you sure that terry signed off on this yeah and i said he literally said johnny i told him about this whole plan and he said johnny get some help (laughs) and that's what i'm here today to do (laughs) it's all stupid thing but yeah it was called all inclusive we meet every other tuesday poolside (laughs) so not every tuesday you can want every it's so good every is too much but yeah yeah it's very i'm sure that's been co-opted i think but the idea of being like, I actually saw a tweet about that, about how it was a red flag moment in their mega church they were in when their pastor was talking about how they set up shop on purpose to reach a richer population. Like yeah. we have to have, we have to have a country club vibe at this church because that's how you reach rich people. Yeah. They deserve the gospel too. And they kind of convinced themselves it's okay to have this and this and this because the greater good is being accomplished. And they're like, this is a big red flag. But mm. like, you're literally going after like whales. Yep. I've heard lots of church planters over the years. Yeah. When they talk about sort of their, their, I guess, uh, the recon into mm-hmm. an area. Yeah. That they, you pick a neighborhood that's going up, not going down. Right. Yeah. They, they generally go into an area that they, I mean, I can't tell you 
what, there's probably been a hundred churches now planted in Mount Juliet because it was the fastest growing city in Tennessee and right. next to the coolest city in the nation. In yeah, and the median income is going up. Yeah. Yeah. It's second richest county in the state, though we have homelessness here and lots of, th- of stuff that's you yeah. know, in our rural areas, especially that are, is really rough. But yeah, people all the time. I'm not, I'm not dogging it. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to do church better than anybody else. And I'm not saying that, but it's just interesting to me. Like it would appear the one thing we don't need here. Yeah, probably are more churches. I mean, we have. I don't know what the or per more churches are like a country club. We just need to make it feel like there's amenities for everybody. You know, like <laughs> I don't know about. Did you just say amenities? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we probably started more, that was a lot of repentance and, and change. Yeah. And we used to try to do the things that would reach people where they were, and I think that's fine. We actually were reading a book as a staff, and the pastor had planted in New York City, mm-hmm. and he talked about. Um, they were kind of taken off and there was a newspaper article in the times written about them and it sort of made them out to be naive simpletons Mm -hmm. that they want to be this, but they're really not, you know, they're not for everybody. They're too, they're too this, too that. And it affected that pastor so deeply over the next, over the months to come. I don't know if it maybe was years. He would find himself leading like, is this the kind of service that this person from you know right. walking down New York would want to come to? Oh wait, we're we're too conservative now, or oh, we're sound too southern, or we tell, sound yeah. too simple, or and like he had to he had a real like fall on his knees and kind of weep moment when he came to grips with how much that article had caused him to inform his viewpoint of what his church should be versus you know aligning with God's ways and realizing yeah. that. I mean, you, it, it's a it's a it's a hard balance. You don't want to be yeah. you, you want to be. Uh, I'm going to use a gross word. You want to be relevant enough mm-hmm. that people want to. Yeah, and you want something like you want something for people's kids, so that they. But you don't want to be like we're all about this, and it's going to feel like an amusement park ride right. every time they like. You got to find that balance. I don't know because if you don't have anything, then you're not doing a service. Either. If you're like, we just tell the kids to sit on this wood block and enjoy the scripture readings, right? And if you don't like it, you're not saved. Like, but if I don't you, think that's if you flip the, the other way. way and the kids are playing the playground the whole time and then you just you know tell yeah. them how God wants them to be happy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like it it I'm really working on those uh, I never tell people that God wants them to be happy, John. <sighs> yeah. But I mean I'm I'm I, I let parrots do most of the <laughs> parrots preaching the service. <laughs> we've got five we've got five elders <laughs> and they you're going to love them. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a weird like I don't know I want more like I have this I have this thing for some I'm, I'm using what's called the daily office right now mm-hmm. so daily office is you know Anglicans around the world it's the prayers that they're praying and there's four times a day you could pray just man some of the blessings there's things I pray for uh, through that that I just never would think to myself like this morning there was a prayer for people who are in prison mm-hmm. and correctional officers yeah and it's like it's it's you know those who are innocent please let them you know be set free uh, those uh, who are there for you know because they're guilty of their crimes Lord you know work in their lives we recognize that when we visit prisons we visit you yeah. correctional officers let them not become numb or, or calloused and you know let them you know it's just, it's like it's a full society yeah. thing and I'm going if I just let myself navigate. As myself, just trying to figure out what the next best thing to do is as a Christian, much less a pastor, yeah. which I've done my whole life. 
just, well, the next series is on the teaching pastor. Well, what am I thinking about? And I believe right. that the Holy Spirit leads us in all those things. But like, I want that, like I said, balance of going, yeah, but maybe there are those throughout history that's also done this in a way and figured out things I didn't figure out. I have something to add to it, possibly, if that makes us feel better. I'm not sure that I do, but I, if it yeah. makes us feel better to say that, this is my time. But I mean, to completely abandon sort of, I'm not just structure, but right. direction. So, I mean, I think that the modern church is wrestling a lot with that. Like how much to, yeah. yes, your kids need a playground. I'm great with that. Yeah. You know, but also they might need a liturgy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so right. somewhere in between. Yeah. Like we're, we're wrestling for people's attention uh, at some point. And then it's like, you have to keep, keep wowing them if you if you fall into that path it just becomes like a vicious circle of like i have to keep yep firing off the fireworks the fireworks show has to get better every year now every oh, yeah. week it has to get better because like all right this other church they got this going on or whatever i'm then proverbial fireworks not no no sometimes I, actual fireworks uh, well, i knew a church in town that would set off fireworks indoors and oh, have like that sounds like a smoky church lots of live animals like elephants and stuff and you know Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not opposed, but it is at some point, like, I don't know, when it, I don't know, what, what do you do next? <laughs> I, I used to say that when Reggie Dabbs would come in, who's, a, who's the best speaker that we know, right? like, it hit me early. I was old enough at that point to know mm-hmm. that if the kids, because we'd fill the building two nights in a row with 300 kids mm-hmm. on those events, but I, I knew enough to know at that point, like, if they came for Reggie, it would take Reggie for them to stay. Yeah, because they got you next week. Right. So Reggie. Dumb I, old John. Just dumb old little. Yeah. <laughs> so Reggie and I would talk about it and he would stand up at the end. Right. And he's like, hey, I know you guys are here and I'm glad you came to share time with me. I'm leaving. But this guy right here, no one's going to care about you more than him. Mm-hmm. And he would say, I've heard him say that to other youth past. Like he would try to make that handoff. Yeah. That transition. But um, yeah. Hey, speaking of transitions, John, mm. I think it's time that we go way back. All the way back in this week in history. Hmm. It's a segment we call Talk About Then. This week, 1981, John, was a uh, a momentous day. 1981 okay. for television. Can you think of what would have happened this day, 1981? Uh, family ties. Cable's first 24-hour music channel debuts. The M- first video MTV played MTV was what? Do you remember the video? You don't know this mm-hmm. trivia question? You know, you knew it before I, you read it? Uh-huh. Of course you did. You're a bounce. It was of- Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. And that is apropos. Yeah, really interesting. Like, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, I was trying to p- go past the sad ones. We have a lot of sad ones sometimes. Uh-huh. Here's one that I thought was interesting. August 1st, 1936, during the open, opening ceremonies of the 1936 Olympics known as Hitler's Games. This is the, yeah, this the is Owens Berlin, Games, right? all of it, yeah. Thousands of pigeons were released. I don't know, it's a big ceremonial thing. When the ceremonial cannon was fired, it startled the pigeons, causing them to poop over the spectators below. Oh, no. So, this week, pigeons pooped on Hitler's Games. <laughs> huh? There's a bird theme. There's a bird theme. There's a rogue bird theme happening this listen, week that was a really good headline you just wrote i hope that's how they wrote it pigeons poop on hitler's games yeah that's what it that's literally what it says <laughs> <laughs> the first televised olympics 
would have been those same games. Uh, they were transmitted from the Paul Nipkow TV station to about two dozen viewing rooms set up around Berlin. An estimated 150,000 people watched the broadcast. I don't know how they did that. How was that? I don't know. How did it go to eight rooms? Wait. Two dozen viewing rooms set up around Berlin. I don't know. Must have been big rooms. Yeah, it's big rooms. 150,000 people watched the broadcast. Projection sets were used to produce 8 by 10 foot images. So, wow. Huh. That's a real, it's pretty interesting technology for that long ago. Yeah. That they were able to do that. Uh, the first Air Force was established, John. This week, 1907, the U.S. Army established the Aeronautical Division, U.S. Signal Corps, under the command of Captain Charles DeForest Chandler, who you, I'm sure, remember. Of course. It was the predecessor to the United States Air Force. They purchased their first dirigible in July of 1908 and their first airplane in August of 1909. So they were balloons first. Yeah. They were going Zeppelin with this thing. Yeah. I don't know if that would do well in a battle. No. You see a big old right. Zeppelin coming at you. You're can't, like, if you can't hit that target. Right. right. And it's all you got to do is hit it once, right? right. I would imagine. And it's, just, it's hydrogen. Well, not necessarily. They were, Maybe they were back then. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's going up, though. Mm. It's not great. Six Flags Over Texas. Wait, was uh, it hydrogen? Uh, there was a hydrogen, but these probably weren't. I don't know what they did. Some of them were helium or... Yeah. There was a hydrogen. That's what uh, the Hindenburg was. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah oh, it's, oh, the humanity. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, park of Six Flags chain opened this week, 1961, Six Flags Over Texas. Wow. What was your favorite ride, John? You've been to Six Flags, one of the parks. What do you, I don't what's recall. Your, do you, what's your, but you were an Opryland kid. Yeah. Uh, the Wabash Cannonball at Opryland. Which is our... Isn't that the state theme song as well? Uh, in Wabash Cannonball, one of our state songs? I think so. Not Rocky Top, but I'm saying Wabash Cannonball, I believe, is a it's a waltz or something. There's no way to know. <sighs> I also like the... They had an indoor coaster, one mm-hmm. of the first, called Chaos. Okay. It was a little bit like Space Mountain, so... All right, or the Blazing Fury over yeah. at Dollywood. Yeah. Because you were a Dollywood kid, I was I was a Dollywood kid, because I was, yeah, East yeah. Tennessee. And, I mean, there's a bitter rivalry. Yeah, between the Hollywood kids and the lot like the parrots or the jets and the sharks. I mean, it was well. It was, we won because yours is a mall now. Well, but we make a lot more money. <sighs> you're okay, probably right. I probably, really, yeah, you're right. Dollywood's never made any money. I'm still upset that they tore down Upperland. Yeah, it's a bummer. Like for yeah. especially for kids. I mean, yeah, <sighs> your kid never gets to experience the Wabash Cannonball. The Atomic Energy Commission, John, was established this week, 1946, by President 1946 Truman. Harry S. Truman. There you go. He signed the McMahon Act establishing 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 the, establishing the Atomic Energy Commission. It also authorized the Army and Navy to manufacture atomic weapons. So this is Oppenheimer again. This is kind yeah. of when this all went down. And the Truman the Truman like story is fascinating because again, FDR dies in office and he inherits an ongoing war that is now for us, you know, in its fourth year. Yeah. And again, with no real hopes, especially with Japan, you know, they're they're making a lot of progress in Europe. You can finally you can eventually surround Berlin, you know, but the Japanese you know, culture wise were going. They were like they were they would rather everyone die, <laughs> you know, than surrender. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very interesting. Well, all the Truman Truman's a president. We don't talk about a lot, but all the things that he inherited. Yeah, uh, in his time. So, but anyway, go go ahead. Sorry, some tough decisions. Yeah, uh, sorry, to be made there. 
Uh, lastly, John, this week, 1774, English chemist Joseph Priestley discovered oxygen. He discovered the element which composes one-fifth of our air. Wow. He discovered, I don't know how you discover oxygen, but he did. Uh, it's, he discovers it. Yeah. That's when I'd go. Well, um, he, he named it, he I guess. Identified he, he identified it. He identified it. This says discovers, but. I mean, I guess he discovered that you could identify it. I don't it. like the way you're second-guessing his work. I don't. It's like. Why do you hate Hey, just, guys, I figured out we're breathing. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do you hey, hate, guys, that we already knew it. You just didn't know what to call it. Why do you hate Joseph Priestley so much? I can never. It, it's not, it goes back to 90210. You're more of a J- Jason Priestley. <laughs> more of a Jason. He had less pointy sideburns, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Joseph Priestley. It was a different time. Oh, They're more was. lamb choppy. It was the 1700s. Yeah. <sighs> So you think the one seven zero zero? So you think he? <laughs> I need to find nine zero one seven zero zero. What? What do you think? Do you think he's getting too much credit? No, I'm I'm completely teasing. You're, I, I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's impressive in 1774. Yeah, <laughs> like that you could because I wonder if they were like this guy, right? They, they like, took him oh, you figured out how to call something invisible. It's like you know right. by a name that we're supposed to all give you credit for now. He's a witch. Yeah. Turns out he was right. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, and uh, I read the other day about in a book that we in in Enlightenment culture, once we can figure out how something works, yeah. that's the moment we separate it from divine intervention. Mm-hmm. We demystify it. Yeah, and it becomes ordinary to us. Where that assumption is in there, I'm not sure. But now that we go, oh, oh, this is oxygen. Yeah. Now it stops being that God gives us breath. Yeah. Even though God uses God created oxygen and yeah. uses oxygen, but right. like there's some somehow the wonder when we think we have some sort of mind. I mean, it took me in my mind back to the Garden of Eden and the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like knowledge has always been the moment that we separate mm-hmm. ourselves from divinity. I'm not I'm not anti knowledge. It's just God kind of warned. Like you think you can once you know you think you won't need, but what you know is actually still me. So yeah. I'm not directly quoting the Bible right now. Like no, stay, that's the John that was, translation. That the, GST, the gospel according the to John. Yeah, <laughs> the GST. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But thank you, Joseph Priestley, and we're sorry that John's besmirched your life's work. Yeah. Um, I'm going to breathe. Been, he's always been more of a hydrogen man. <laughs> John's, a car, John's more of a carbon dioxide guy because he's always breathing out. <laughs> He's always just bursting forth with some stupid idea yes. that we have to be. We're breathing in your toxic right. offshoot. It's like, wow. You know? that's, that's the definition of a blowhard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Someone who won't shut up. My body's having to purify. You're like, oh, here God, we go yeah, with this guy. So oxygen, like, you'd have to actually take a breath <laughs> for you to experience what Joseph Priestley discovered. Ah, oh, Johnny. I apologize. That's funny. That was too far. No, no, it's good. I, I went, accept I went full parrot on you. <laughs> I'll let you have it. I want to start a whole new podcast about parrots at this point. Like, yeah, cursing parrots. We could go a long time, and did, but we could go even longer. There's no end to this. We could. It needs to be. It needs its own three part series. It does. Yeah. I mean, I want. I want to hear. It's not that I want to hear profanity, but you I want to. I want to. I want to see the parrot do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't you? We don't, need that. We need a clip that we attach to the show that's kind of bleeped. Yeah. But it's. You get the gist. Yeah. <laughs> it just wait. That was a crow. <laughs> John, you don't don't get me started on what crows do. John oh my does, gosh. John does so many impressions, y'all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, that's funny. All right. Well, anyway. 
Hey, you know what else is funny, Johnny? What's that? 270 or so archived episodes of the podcast. That's right. You can find those at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Click on that link in the upper right corner if you want to uh, support the show. If you do that, you could add free content. We love our supporters, our patrons. They're our amigos, our pals. Yeah. And uh, we care about them. They care about us. It's a community. We're like five parrots, <laughs> arm in arm, wing and wing. Wing and wing. Just supporting each other and occasionally cursing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com also uh, where you can um, see some video, Johnny. That's right. Uh, you can go to the our YouTube channel. We're looking to up those subscribe, subscriber counts. It's kind of a newer channel, so yeah. we're just trying to boost that thing. So if you want to see this video, you see our ugly mugs every week. Yeah. Then uh, that's where you go see those. I know you see the clips sometimes on socials, but uh, yeah. that's where you go to see the full episodes on video. Go to johnnyw.com, J-O-N-N-I-E, if you want to find out the latest tour dates. Johnny is all over the country right now. Yeah, we're adding, you. adding new dates, and uh, the socials are going good. So find me on social media. Follow me there. It's a fun time. Good stuff coming. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you can check out johndriver.com as well if you want to find out any books that you might like to read. And you can always email me if you'd like to, if you see something there and it's just not in the budget right now. Send me an email, john, johndriver.com. I'll be happy to pass a book along to you for free. Yeah, and there's a link at the bottom of the website where you can send us a note too. A little yeah. chat button. Yeah, please. So we get those. We love hearing from you guys. Tell it. You might even get read on the air. Yes. It's a big deal. Mm hmm. That's what we'll. That's we'll what, go with that. We'll do it. It's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for the time you gave us this week. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.